Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today we've got a bit of a Q&A happening, we've got some questions that have come in, so hopefully we can help out some people and um, answer some of those questions. Um, and obviously before we get into that, the little weather update as I normally do, which um, unfortunately is, is not as positive as what it has been in the past. We've got about quite a bit of rain around at the moment. And an interesting fact I actually heard this morning on the radio was that um, someone asked about a previous weather event we had in 2011, which was a flood, and they were talking about Wybenhoe Dam, and back then it was sitting at just over 100%. It's currently at 76%, so that's not too bad. It's not as high as what it was, so all of this rain we're getting um, should not cause any dramas. That's an interesting fact. And, you know, with the amount of rain that has come through in the last couple of days and there's still predictions for more, I didn't think you'd do a weather update today, Scott. You normally only like to tell people when it's beautiful and sunny and um, warm just I, to help the Southerners understand how beautiful it is here. I like to be honest, okay? <laughs> Very good. Very <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, we've, we have had some questions come in. Um, it'll be hopefully, as I say, hopefully we can help some people out, clear some things up and... Um, get some answers out and, and if people do have any questions they do want to send, by all means, send them in and we'll, we'll jump into another Q&A next time. And we do apologise for anyone who has sent a question in that is not being answered today. Uh, we try to select those that we believe are most relevant. Um, and if you are sending questions in um, and it is very specific, it's unlikely to, to be answered. Um, the more general questions that people can uh, benefit from are the ones that we'll select to, to go on to the show. So thanks everyone for sending your questions in. Keep them coming and um, hopefully we'll be able to give you a shout out on the show in the future. So the first one we've got is from Phil in Melbourne uh, and his, his question is, if I want to buy a property in Brisbane that targets high capital growth, what budget do I need in the current market? That is a very hard question to answer. Uh, Phil, and um, I guess the easiest way to answer that is just to give a little bit of intel in terms of, you know, what makes a location a high capital growth location. I know for a lot of people when they're investing in Brisbane, they try to apply the same principles um, as they do in Sydney and Melbourne to our city. Um, however, our city is a little bit different and, you know, measuring a distance from the CBD, for example, is not always the best way to determine a high growth location. Now, to determine a high growth location, you have to look at the very local drivers of supply and demand. To be positioned in a location where capital growth is high, you need very low supply and very high demand. Now, that doesn't always uh, correlate with distance from the CBD. Um, and especially in Brisbane, when elevation can matter a lot. Um, in some suburbs, you might have very high elevated properties with uninterrupted city views alongside other properties in the same suburb that are completely impacted by flood and the desirability of some of those properties is going to be obviously very different. But if we try to categorise uh, locations based on, you know, well, how much do I need to spend? We have specific criteria to select high growth locations. Um, I'd love to be able to share that, but um, I'm not going to do that because obviously that's going to give away all our IP. But when we're shopping for clients looking specifically for a high capital growth strategy, with a budget under $700,000 right now in Brisbane, it is a very hard price point for us to select a high performing or a high growth asset in our opinion. Um, there will be a lot of others that um, may argue against this fact. Um, however, we 
as I mentioned, have very strict selection criteria for what makes a suburb a high growth location. So yes, you can still buy in Brisbane with a budget under $700,000. Is it going to be in a location that's got high growth indicators? Probably not. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. It doesn't mean to say that you can't find an investment property, you know, that might produce a decent yield, for example, um, but then there's an inverse relationship between high yield and high growth. So, you know, keep that in mind. If you're shopping between seven dollars and $900,000, we do find properties in this price point that do meet our selection criteria for being a high growth location. Now, how much growth are we um, likely to see in those locations? Obviously, we don't know what the future holds, but we can look backward at the last 10 years to get an indication of these locations and how they have performed in terms of growth. Um, and obviously, that's not specific to each property. It's looking at median value growth only. So if you've got a price point between seven hundred and nine hundred thousand, and you are targeting high growth locations in Brisbane, suburbs in that category and in that budget um, over the last 10 years have experienced growth between 77% and 86%. Okay, so that's the 10-year growth. If we jump up to the next category between $900,000 and $1.2 million, um, suburb in this broad price range that meet our selection criteria have experienced growth over the last 10 years between 102% and 119%. So yes, you can see the price point as it has increased slightly, so too has the capital growth. Now, um, a final price point just to mention properties um, that are valued between $1.2 and $1.5 million, um, therefore the suburbs that we would be able to target in that price bracket, um, based on our selection criteria, they've experienced growth over the last 10 years between 115% and 139%. So whilst there is a correlation between price point and growth, as we can experience in the information that I've just shared, where these locations or where the, these properties are located is very dependent on local drivers of supply and demand. If we're buying in an area where there is limited supply, scarcity of the product, um, and yet very high demand, we're likely to see that upward pressure on prices. So, Phil, to answer your question, what budget do I need in the current market to buy a high capital growth asset? I guess that comes or depends to some extent on your capacity, your financial capacity. Um, we can help people with a budget from about $700,000 and up if you're specifically targeting high capital growth as a strategy. Of course, under $700,000, there are other investment strategies that you know might provide more of a balanced approach of growth and yield. Um, and at lower price points, it's really a cash flow or yield strategy rather than a growth strategy in Brisbane. So Phil, the higher the budget, the, the better you are really, in, <laughs> in a bit of a summary. And, and if you look back at, at probably our, um, our market update, our recent market updates, and that, this has been a bit of a trend of what segments are actually moving more. And it is that higher part of the market that is actually continuing to grow um, at a higher rate than, than the rest of the market. So, you know, I know that that area, as Melinda said, that 10 years in that 1.2 to 1 1.5, 115, 139%, it is the highest growth. Um, yes, it is a higher price point, but that's the market that's actually moving as well. As Melinda talked about, that selection criteria, you know, there's so many things in there that we actually look at from from um, flood affected or noise or whatever it may be. But one of the big things that I really um, am quite strict on is, is the quality of the house as well, because you don't want to buy something cheap 
um, and it has a lot of work on it and it'll have continual maintenance and repairs and things like that. So you're always putting your hand in your pocket and there's nothing, nothing more annoying as an investor than um, the property manager contacting you saying that we need to do repairs, we need to do work on the property. So there are lots of things that we obviously put in our criteria when we start selecting properties for uh, for clients as well. And remember, when it comes to selecting a uh, property for high capital growth, location, location, it is more important to select the right location and the right block of land. Um, so the right part of the suburb, not just a suburb. And, you know, ultimately when you're buying a property, it is the land that is the appreciating part of the asset and the land comes from the location. The house itself, that is the depreciating part of the asset. So you obviously get to write off the value of that um, through depreciation. Now, if you are focusing on a high capital growth strategy, you really must be focusing on a location where the land to asset ratio is also very strong. So um, a few points to highlight for you, Phil. I hope that's been helpful just to provide some sort of guidance in terms of what budget you might need. Um, and obviously in-house, we do track every single suburb across Greater Brisbane um, to see current median values, past 10-year growth rates, um, as well as current um rental yields, etc. It helps us to be able to provide that very specific advice and guidance to clients. Yes, there's been a lot of strong growth in Brisbane across the last 12 months, um, you know, through all of Greater Brisbane. It's the long-term trend that matters most. We don't buy property for a 12-month or a two-year hold. We buy property um, as a long-term asset class. So it's really important that we focus on what areas are going to achieve that long-term price stability um, and not just that short-term growth. Okay, so our next question, um, I've been looking to buy a property in Brisbane for the last four months, and I've noticed that very few properties have a price guide. This, this is actually a common sort of question or thing that we get asked, actually. So few, sorry, um, that they very few properties have a price guide on the listing. Why don't agents put a price on that listing in Brisbane? I find this both frustrating and confusing. So Deb from the Gold Coast has asked that question, and you are correct, Deb, it is... It is a bit of a frustrating one and confusing one. Um, I've had a few chats with some agents. Some agents have actually said to me because they don't really understand what price, what what price to put on it, um, <laughs> because the market has moved moved quite a bit on some of them. So, um, look, they don't have to actually put a price on, unlike other areas. And I've had this from people in Melbourne that have spoken to us, um, have just said it is a bit confusing when they're looking for property that they don't actually have a price guide here in Brisbane. So, um, thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I think that sometimes it can become even more frustrating when an agent might list a price, but it is a very unrealistic price. For example, you know, a property that every day of the week we know might sell for $1.2 to $1.3 million based on our on-the-ground experience. The property is listed for offers over, you know, $1.20. Million. Um, that's bait advertising. And what that does is it attracts uh, so many buyers to come through the property. It's can often make a sales agent look very good because they're attracting a very big crowd. But the reality is that there's a lot of buyers that have false hope. They can come through a property expecting um, the price guide that's been put on the listing to help them um, come to a determination of value. However, it's understanding the current market conditions, understanding the most recent sales, not what sold three months ago, but what sold last weekend. That's what helps you to come to a determination on value today and, and know exactly what a property is likely to sell for. So yes, it can be frustrating when a property is listed 
without a price. What's important for you as a buyer um, is to immerse yourself into a market if you are looking to buy. And that involves actually um, connecting with sales agents, understanding what prices properties are achieving, even if it's not yet a registered sale, that means it's not recorded um, or settled. You want to know what sold last weekend and what price was achieved. And if you don't have that information, it's going to be very hard for you to understand what price to pay for a property that is listed. Um, agents will always filter the property into a price segment in the back end of the major real estate portals. So if you are searching by a price filter, sometimes you can adjust that filter to see where the agent might have um, listed that property in terms of the, the expectation that the seller might have. Now, again, um, that doesn't always tell you what the property is likely to sell for in the current market either. Um, you might find that you have an out-of-area agent that doesn't really understand the current market and they filtered that listing in a price point that's lower than what the property is likely to sell for. The opposite might also be true, and we've seen this recently. Um, sometimes when you've got a vendor with very high expectations, you've got the back-end filter at a very high level so that you're only attracting people that have that budget to spend that higher amount. So, you know, there's no easy answer to this question, Deb. And, um, you know, yes, a lot of buyers do find it frustrating. Um, hopefully just with some modifications to how you're searching by using some of those price filters, you'll get a little bit of a snapshot view of how agents might've listed the property at the back end of the, the portals. But my you know, biggest hint or, or the best advice I can give is to immerse yourself in the local market, understand the comparative sales, talk to the agent, ask the agent what sales evidence do they have to um, compare this property to. A lot of agents will provide a list of recent sales. Um, you have the right to talk to agents about, you know, whether a property might be inferior to or superior to some of the previous sales um, that have been provided. So it is up to you to do your own due diligence as a buyer um, and, and come to a determination of value based on what you know about the market. Yeah, I think the only way to really do it, and we used to, I mean, everyone previously, we used to do that searching and, and it was pretty accurate, I think, uh, in the past through, say, real estate domain and those places where, where you could put a price guide in there and you, it was fairly accurate. But I think in the current market, as you said at the moment, the current market, you need to actually understand what it's selling, what it's worth, the, the location. You really have to do your homework and you need to understand it and you need to get out and about and talk to agents to get a feel of um, what they think and, and get a feel of the market. And the other thing is, you know, we just talked about it in finding a capital growth asset, scarcity drives value. So if you're looking at a property that's a very scarce type of property because it backs onto parkland or it's got a beautiful view um, or, you know, the perfect layout or, you know, a very unique property for that area. And if you turn up to the open home and there's, you know, 10 people looking alongside you versus 50 people looking alongside you, that's going to give you an indication of current demand for that property. And that's also going to give you some insight in terms of how likely this property is, is to sell at a higher amount than, than what other potential properties in the area might have sold for recently versus maybe being more in line with what other sales are like. So the demand on a property is what ultimately drives the price of that property. So also something to keep in mind, make sure you are going to the open homes. You know, for our clients, we will go to a midweek inspection if we can, but that first 
open on a Saturday is the time to really see the current demand on a property. And if it is a property that is for sale by auction, the very last inspection prior to auction is also a good one to be at, um, just to see how many people are having a final look before they do turn up to bid at auction. And I don't think it's such a bad thing if there's 50 groups there as opposed to 10, because that means there's 50 groups, the, the demand is high on it. It is a good property if there's that many people looking yeah. at it. so Where I'd be concerned in the current market if in there's Brisbane no one. <laughs> is if there's no one at the property or if there's you know only a couple of other people at the property. So the next question. Yeah. So um, Simone from Brisbane has asked this question. Do you think property prices in Brisbane will fall once interest rates start increasing? Big, um, big, um, big issue on everybody's mind, I think. I'm not, um, I'm not the researcher. I mean, you are the researcher. But on the ground, what we see, um, I went to an auction last Saturday. There was 32 registered bidders. Um, I took a video of, of the amount of people in there and... It was the whole, the house was full, the yard was full, the pool area was full. There was so many people around. Um, look, I just, I'm probably looking at it more from the demand side of it in Brisbane at the moment, and I can't see that slowing down. Also, what people are talking about um, already, you know, 10 years time, the Olympics. Um, I think there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of people wanting to buy in Brisbane. It is still somewhere. I can't see things slowing down. Will interest rates have an impact? Possibly a little bit, but I'll let the researcher answer a bit more in depth on that one. Yeah, so look, what impact interest rates have in um, the property market is that it reduces people's borrowing capacity. So as interest rates go up, the amount that people can borrow um, can be impacted and that can actually reduce slightly. Remember, if interest rates are increasing, that's going to be off the back of rising inflation. Um, which also could correlate positively with rising wages. Now, not of, of course, not everybody will have incomes that are increasing, uh, potentially those that have the capacity to borrow more at high levels, um, high income earners, maybe they are going to be the ones um, that have the opportunity for pay rises more so than lower income earners. Um, that's all unknown and that's something that needs to be monitored on a month by month basis into the future. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that not all people will be impacted in the same way as interest rates rise. And I think that's that's relative to what I was just talking about. You know, for those that do have wage increases at the same time, their borrowing power um, is less, less impacted. Low-income earners, of course, that's going to be a big impact for them. Um, and, you know, this is a question that I discussed with a client just recently when they, they asked me this question in a strategy session as well. And my answer was pretty uh, clear. So... When you consider the low interest rate environment that we've been living in for some time now, and Scott and I are a bit older, we've been through um, cycles where interest rates have been a lot higher. What were they when you bought your first property? Uh, 19%. 19%. Very different uh, when you're purchasing property and you're paying interest rates at 19% versus interest rates right now where you know people are at 25 3% at the most. Like It's a really very different environment. But circling back to what I was talking about, when you are an investor that is in a low interest rate environment and that's all you know, it can be very attractive to chase cash flow strategies. And there's a lot of people that have been attracted to Brisbane recently because they can buy in locations where you can produce some strong yields. In those locations, the demographic of who lives there, it is more expensive for people to rent than it is for people to buy. And that is why an investor gets such high yields. The issue there is that 
the reason people are renting and not buying is because they can't afford to get a loan. They can't afford to um, build up the deposit that's required to buy their own property. Now, if interest rates increase, those sorts of areas are at risk because if an investor is no longer actually getting a high rental return because um, or a high cash flow because the cost of holding that asset through increased interest rate costs, that's actually eating into their profit, then they may look to sell those assets. Now, they've got to consider who are they going to sell those assets to if they're not making a return on their investment. And if you are in an area where the demographic um, is low income earners, then I think those types of areas may be impacted a lot more than other areas where you might find that the majority of uh, buyers are owner occupiers. Um, those owner occupiers might be on very high incomes. Um, you know, changes to interest rates are going to have much less impact in locations like that compared to locations where the majority of property owners are investors. They've purchased in that area because they've been chasing cash flow. Um, and in the event interest rates increase, I think there's going to be some areas that are going to be at risk of price declines more so than others. Um, and I think history has proven time and time again, when we look at previous property cycles and interest rate cycles, um, if you buy in the right location, um, in a very scarce location, and you maintain demand um, throughout any economic um, conditions, then you'll still get that strong, you know, price price growth and at least price stability in, in times where, um, you know, the, the, the market or, or, you know, interest rates are uncertain. So, look, I hope that's answered the question, Simone. Um, I don't think all property prices will be impacted at all in Brisbane if interest rates increase. I do think there's going to be some areas at risk. It comes down to the demographic makeup. It comes down to the percentage of owner-occupiers versus the percentage of investors in an area. And I think if people have a really good understanding of that, and they're buying safe assets and they're de-risking their portfolio, um, then I think they've got a lot less to worry about. So it, it probably in a bit of a summary there, comes down to your selection, really. I think location and, and the area and, and the type of property that you, you're selecting is probably something that could have more of an impact um, if interest rates do change at all. So, which it's probably, I've just looked at the next question and it sort of does lead us into that one a little bit. So if I have a budget then, and this has come from David in Sydney, and his question was, if I have a budget between six hundred dollars and $700,000 to buy an investment in Brisbane, where is the best place to buy? No. We can't tell you exactly that, David. <laughs> David, I don't know how long is a piece of string because I don't, I never, ever, ever start with budget when I'm talking to investors. Um, I always start with strategy because what's really important to understand is what are you trying to achieve? Why are you investing in property? How long are you planning to hold the asset? What is your investment strategy? What is um, your risk appetite? How are you going to exit? All of those questions need to be clarified up front. And then we look at budget and we say, okay, well, uh, based on what your requirements are, let's look at an asset that fits your budget. Um, the interesting thing, I mean, I answered in the very first question that high growth assets um, are really hard to find with a budget under 700000 in Brisbane in the locations that we would consider um, high growth locations based on our selection criteria um, here at Streamline. However, you know, you've got to consider what type of investor are you um, and, you know, then you've got to consider location selection in relation to the growth requirements that you're looking for and then property type selection in case you need any income or yield requirements. Now, some investors that we speak to do have minimum um, income requirements that are a condition of their funding. Now, obviously, if you've got $600,000 to spend, 
um, and you need to uh, generate $500 of income per week to actually get that funding, you've got to consider what type of property is going to deliver that for you. Now, you know, you can look at um, a house further out, which might compromise your capital growth requirements, or you could start to look at a townhouse product. Um, it's something that we're looking into more and more at the moment because it's not about the size of the land, it's about the value of the land on a square metre basis. And it's very easy to quantify the value of land um, when you look at unimproved land values um, and you can compare what, you know, one, say you, you bought a townhouse on a 1,000 square metre block and you're one of four townhouses, you effectively own 250 square metres of that land. So if you know what the unimproved land value of the total site is, um, and then you relate that to what the market land value of that total site would be, you can calculate a square metre basis of what the land value actually is. And then you can compare that to other locations that might be, you know, a lot further away from the CBD. So I think you need to make an assessment, um, David, in terms of what investment strategy is right for you, what you're trying to achieve, and then determine what location is going to be best for you. If growth is important, then you may have to make a compromise and not look at a house, but maybe start to look at a different product type here in Brisbane. And we did touch on a few weeks ago the fact that um, the unit and the unit market, so the data that we have available to us is either housing data or unit data, and um, townhouses themselves are sort of stuck in with the unit um, data. The price disparity between houses and units um, is really wide in Brisbane. The affordability of units is also, you know, really good at the moment. Um, at some stage, it may we may see a recovery in that market. Um, we had an, an oversupply in 2016 through to 2017. That seems to have been absorbed. Vacancy rates are recovering rapidly at the moment. Um, and there's been a real slowdown in the uh, new high density unit market simply because developers have not been able to get funding um, and a lot of the land has been redeveloped. So whilst there is still scope for more projects in the future, there's a slowdown right now. So again, it comes down to supply and demand. Um, so I can't really answer your question, David, in terms of what you should buy or where the best place to buy, because it does depend on what you're trying to achieve. But I think you definitely need to assess whether you are targeting growth, whether you are targeting income, you know, and then the risk, the risk assessment criteria that you need to use. Are we moving into a high interest rate environment? Do we want to be buying in an area where people are on low incomes? Or do we want to be buying in an area where people are on high incomes and they can afford to pay more in rent, um, you know, as the market completely, you know, picks up as well? Because remember, low income areas, people really can't afford to pay more in rent. You don't get much upward pressure on rents either. And, and that probably leads that the part of where, you know, the location side of it again. You know, do you want to buy something that is a lot further away from the CBD? Do you want to come in closer? If you want to come in closer and you've got that lower budget, then that's where you need to make that change to that unit slash sort of townhouse setup brings you in closer towards the CBD um, to get that type of um, product as well. The other thing is when you talk about the not as much construction happening on that the townhouse unit side of things, um, I, I can see that probably staying like that for a while as well. I just um, heard yesterday ProBuild might be in trouble. Yeah, so, you some, know, some big builders. Big that builders that are struggling. Are struggling. And, and, you, and it's really hard to get a builder at the moment as well. So the construction side of it is really, really tight. And that will make it probably harder for those products to actually come to the market. If they're not there now, they're still 18, two, 18 months, two years away. That's so right. it takes that long to actually build that type of product. 
if it hasn't started, which they haven't at the moment, um, there's still a big gap there as well. So um, one last quick question. Um, I th I hopefully I've pronounced it right. Howie, I think it is, um, from Sydney. Can I still buy a blue in a blue chip area in Brisbane if I have a budget of around $1.5 million? Yeah, very good question, um, Howie. Again, I hope I've got the pronunciation of your name correct there. Um, look, again, when it comes to looking at a specific budget, there's so many things that we need to consider. Um, are you talking about a house? I'm assuming you're talking about a house. Can you buy a house in a blue chip area in Brisbane for around $1.5 million? Well, um, it depends on the land size. Uh, land is very expensive. The larger the block of land, um, the less house you're going to be getting and very unlikely to get a blue chip location on a very large block with that budget now um you know smaller blocks are definitely in blue chip locations still achievable um in the best part of the location probably not or in the best part of those suburbs probably not uh, we're starting to see uh knock down properties in those um sort of first areas where we've got some post-war homes knockdowns are starting on 600 square meter blocks are starting from about 1.2 million dollars now so they're properties that people are intentionally buying to knock over um so you know i guess it depends on the quality of the house that you're looking to buy you know the finish the specification um but it also depends on the size of the land so look a 1.5 million dollar budget is very achievable for a quality um, asset. Uh, there's just a lot of metrics that we would need to tweak um, in terms of land size and also in terms of the property quality in order to stay within that budget because blue chip, you know, that it's open to interpretation yeah. itself. What does blue chip mean to one person versus what does it mean to another person as well? Um, because some blue chip locations, obviously, you might need a budget of two, $2.5 million plus. Um, so it depends on the interpretation of blue chip as well. Yeah, I mean, look, it is a very open sort of question and that location again, another that word we've come back to again so much in this podcast, um, it does really depend on that location and the product. But, yeah, look, that 1.5, it's a good budget. It's strong. Um, if you've got any more, obviously you'll get something even better and probably in a better location as well. So hopefully that helped out. Um, look, we've, we'll, we'll finish up there today. Um, we have got some guests coming up in the future, so some good podcasts coming up um, for everyone to listen to. I will let Melinda wrap it up. Thanks again for listening today. And um, hopefully next week I can report on some blue sky and some fine weather. So I'll let Melinda wrap it up as, as usual. Um, thanks for listening. Take care. Bye for now. Yeah, I hope that the answers to these questions today have helped um, a lot of people to understand a little bit more about Brisbane and uh, what it's looking like in the future, but also, you know, what you're likely to buy right now in the current market. As always, if you do enjoy our podcast, please share the episodes with your friends and family. Tell them that our podcast exists. And if you do get the time to leave us a review, we'd love to hear, you know, what you enjoy or um, leave us some tips and feedback um, through um, a review if you get time. Um, as always, we hope you enjoy the next week and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.